Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. We are continuing again today to talk about togetherness. Of course, family togetherness. I trust that you have been enjoying family togetherness uh, this last week. It seems as though we are always getting together here in our family. Um, The other week we had a um, birthday party for uh, my granddaughter's little girl, Ezzy. That's my great-granddaughter. And that was a fun time. And then... uh, the next night was uh, Memorial Day. That's gone and passed now. Usually we have a barbecue for Memorial Day. But this year we had a games night. Serene's daughter, Cherish, uh, she decided she would put on a games night. And it was amazing. Oh my, she just thought of some amazing fun games that um, required a lot of energy and a lot of fun and a lot of screaming and yelling. I think we must have had 75 or 80 people um, in our big room downstairs having just such a wonderful time. And then after we had a taco night too, everybody bought stuff for taco. And then after all food and games, they went out and played volleyball. Sometimes they play till 10 at night. I think one night they were still playing till midnight. And, uh, oh, last, uh, the other Sunday, we had uh, Rashida's baby shower. Rashida is uh, Evangeline's daughter, and uh, she is having her third baby, a little boy this time. And uh, we must have had about 50 ladies all come together for her shower. It was just such an amazing, and amazing uh, time together and uh, fellowship and then praying over her and people telling their fun stories of things that happened with their births and uh, it was so great the other night um, at our Shabbat meal uh, we enjoyed celebrating an engagement we didn't plan to do this we had invited people over and then at the last minute this couple said oh we want to celebrate our engagement uh, joining you for Shabbat and they had just got engaged that day so that was so beautiful and exciting Um, I'll have to tell you who it is and you're going to get all um, confused so see if I can make it simple okay now Pearl's son Noble He is engaged to Megan, and Megan uh, is the daughter of Erin Harrison. And uh, I used to do a talk show with Erin, but somehow we've both got busy, and she now has two special needs little children, and we haven't done one for a while. But I think some of you know Erin, and she has done podcasts with me. And uh, so... uh, Megan and Noble are going to be married in November. But then her other daughter got engaged, Molly, and she got engaged to Riku. Now, who is Riku? Now, Pearlie's oldest son, Bowen, is married to Kahuru, um, and Riku is Kahuru's brother. 
Oh, wow. Have you got it all in your head now? Anyway, we're so excited about this beautiful, beautiful relationship. Riku came to visit Kahuru uh, from Australia. He's lived most of his life in Japan, um, but he um, was in Australia and came from there. And uh, anyway, while he was here, he met Molly and uh, they have got engaged now. Sadly, he's just had to go back to, to he's gone back to Japan um, because of visa problems. You can only stay so long in the country and now he'll have to work out how he gets in. Most Americans don't realize um, that it's not so easy to come permanently into the country. We ourselves were New Zealanders and um, we had to become green card holders. And then after many years, we eventually got our citizenship. But anyway, we trust it will all work out for Riku because... It's just beautiful to see their lovely relationship. I, I love the way God brings couples together, don't you? I believe God is in it. I really do. I think back to the very first moment of, of how we read in the Word of how God uh, created the woman out of the man. And then the Bible says, and God brought the woman to the man. I love that. God did it. And I believe that God still does that today. He brings the woman to the man. God is in bringing beautiful couples together. And this coming week, I'm hoping to have a, <clears throat> no, this week's nearly ended um, as I'm sharing this with you. Next week, I'm going to have uh, an, a night where I'm going to have um, some of our courting couples. I love that. I had a courting couples night um, a few months ago and had such a special time with all our lovely couples. And so I'm going to have another one and I'm looking forward to this. Isn't it fun to just think of ideas to bring members in the family together? We do this in family life and we do it in church life. This should always be our heart. We're always thinking of fellow members of our fellowship who are part of the body of Christ and how we can uh, relate to them, how we can ask them into our home to have a meal with us and, and really get to know them. Hospitality was the lifestyle of the early church. They didn't show hospitality once in a while, perhaps every now and then. No, they showed hospitality daily. They, they just so love to be together and, and share the things of God together. And as the people looked on and, and they saw their lifestyle, they saw their love for one another. They just saw uh, what was happening in their lives. And the Bible says they found favor with the people and the Lord added daily to the church. Well, we're going to carry on today with more points about our togetherness in the body of Christ and how God loves us to come together. Number six, the purpose of coming together in one place is to build one another up. 
In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, the Bible says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together? There's those words again. They keep coming up all the time. When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. That means building up. The Passion Translation says, Let each one contribute what strengthens others. The New English Translation says, Let all these things be done for the strengthening of the church. The um, World English Bible says, Let all things be done to build each other up. So what did they do in the early church? A little bit different than what we do today. Mostly, uh, we come together to church and we have our organized program of worship and then the ministry of the word and, and so on. But when the early church came together, every one of them had an opportunity to take part and to share. It says, every one of you, not just the pastor. A little bit different than what we do today, isn't it? But this, once again, is the pattern. And, of course, it is very difficult to do something like this in huge churches where you have a thousand or more people meeting together. But it can happen in small churches. Uh, We have um, experienced this most of our lives And uh, Colin and I actually grew up way back in New Zealand uh, amongst the the church affiliation known as the Brethren People. And they believed in the priesthood of all believers. And it was a wonderful truth. It's a biblical truth of this very scripture. When you come together, it's not just the pastor who takes control. It is every one of you has a psalm to share or has a doctrine or has a tongue or has a revelation. Um, You've got something that God has been showing you and you want to share it and it makes church life very exciting. In our fellowship, my husband, um, who is the pastor, will always have a word ready to share. And he will give a word most Sundays unless we have a visiting speaker. But we give time for sharing, for open sharing, for the functioning of the priesthood of all believers because we are all priests unto God, not just the pastors. And it does make life exciting. And also it causes the people in the fellowship to not rely only on the pastor to uh, just get a word from God. No, we should all be seeking God every day in the word. We, we get into the word daily. And when you come to the word and you are asking God to speak to you and he gives you revelation, well, then you're wanting to share it. And uh, so it is a beautiful thing. All right. Number seven, we are made alive together in Christ. Ephesians 2.5, when we were dead in sins, 
He quickened us together with Christ. Number eight, we are raised up together. Do you notice that all these things, we don't only experience them them singly, but together. Ephesians 2, 6, and he has raised us up together to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Number nine, we are built up together by the Spirit of God. Ephesians 2, 22, and whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. God is, he is putting together a building and he's building us together. And uh, he, he just as living stones, um, one by one, he's putting us into this great building. And uh, let's see, number 10, we are joined together. Ephesians 4. 15, 16, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. Did you get those words? Fitly joined together. This is how God sees his body. This is how he sees his church, which is his bride. He sees us fitly joined together. And this happens by the Spirit, but also practically. Dear ladies, this is what church is about. When we come together, it's not just to a building. Yes, we come to the building so that uh, we can come together and and be in, encourage one another and build one another up and help one another to grow and so we become fitly joined together and compacted. Yes, not isolated, not here and there, not just unto ourselves, but no, compacted. It's good to say those words. Fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Do you get that? Every joint supplieth. You're one of the joints, or maybe you're not a joint. Maybe you're a nerve, or maybe you're a sinew, or maybe you are um, a artery, but, but you are some important part of the body. And the body will not be what it really should be unless you are jointly fitted in and you are supplying to the body. You see, we supply one another and we can't do that unless we're meeting with one another. We can only supply one another as we come together according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the building up of itself in love. Wow, that scripture, ladies, takes a lot of taking in, doesn't it? Oh, I know you'll have to go and read it again later and let the glorious truth of it sink into your soul. I don't think I've got it all yet. 
oh, it is just about too much to get, but we need to read it over to let it become part of us. And so we'll be able to begin to function as God wants us to. Now that's from the King James, but maybe you'll read it from a more modern version and uh, perhaps you'll understand it even a little more. The New English translation says, From him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body grows in love. Do you get the picture? This is what God wants us to be. Joined together. Every joint supplying. Every ligament supporting another area of the body. Isn't that wonderful? And we do that, precious families, as we come together. Families coming together as an extended uh, family body in the body of Christ. Number 11, we are knit together. Colossians 2 verse 2, that their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love. Colossians 2.19, the head from whom the whole body supported and knit together through its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. And in that scripture I read in Ephesians 4.16 about the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. The word compacted is actually the word that's translated knit together. And the Greek word is sumbibedzo. And it means to drive or force together, to unite, to gather, to knit together, compact. And so we're getting the revelation of what it really means to be the church. Amen. Number 12, we will be caught up together to be with the Lord. Notice, together. Yes, First Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, those who have died and gone before. And then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. We're all going to go up together, even those who've passed away. Yes, their spirits are with God, but their bodies are going to uh, come alive and, and they're going to rise and we're going to meet together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 13 says, We will all live together with him forever. 1 Thessalonians 5.10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Well, lovely ladies, if we're going to live together with one another forever, we better get used to living with one another down here. Well, we have to get used to living with one another in families, don't we? And even family life is not perfect. 
No, we have our ups and our downs and we have our challenges and we have our spats and we have our um, disappointments with one another and maybe getting on one another's nerves. And we have to learn how to live with one another, how to forbear one another, how to have patience with one another. And so we do in the body of Christ also. There are many people who sometimes who are in our particular body and they're not easy to get on with. But we have to learn to love them. We have to learn to forbear with them and to embrace them even though they may not be our type, even though we may not agree with them. We have people in our fellowship who we don't agree with them on certain issues of doctrine. They don't agree with us. But as my husband says, he says this regarding our marriage, because my husband and I don't always agree with one another, but we love one another. And that's the thing. My husband always says, we don't have to agree with one another, but we have to love one another. We have to see past grievances, see past not even agreeing with one another. We see past idiosyncrasies. We see past all these things. And even though we don't agree and we don't really, okay, they may not even be our type, we love. We love one another another. And so it's a good idea to get used to it down here because they're going to be with us for eternity. Number 14. Yes, 14. We are to comfort one another with the words that we have been sharing. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, again it says, Wherefore comfort yourselves together and build up one another, even as you also do. Number 15, we are to follow the Lord together. Philippians 3.17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk as ye have us for an example. So you're not only walking on your own. There you are. You're on a lonely road, walking your walk of faith. No, God wants us to do it together. Because then when we do it together, we'll be so much stronger in our walk. Number 16. We are to strive together for the faith. Philippians 1.27, stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's not easy to stand alone, and God doesn't want us to. He wants us to do it together. The word striving together is sooneth leo, or sooneth leo. And it means to wrestle in company with others. To seek jointly. To labor together. To strive together. It comes from the root word, athleo, meaning to contend in the competitive games. And so in our striving, in our faith, we don't do it alone. We do it together. 
together. That's why we need one another. That's why we need to meet together. That's why we need to come together as a body. Because God knows we need one another. And we've got to strive together for the faith of the gospel. We'll all be so much powerful in the gospel and striving together for the gospel as we are doing it together. Number 17. We help one another by praying together. 2 Corinthians 1.12 Ye also helping one another by prayer. Prayer is something we need to do together. Well, it's something you do on your own. Yes, we pray personally. But we need to pray as families. Oh, precious ladies, are you praying together as a family? Family praying is so important. But we also need to pray with others. We pray, have a special prayer meeting where we gather others to pray with or we pray at church. When we start our church each Sunday, we start with prayer. No, my husband doesn't open with prayer. We start by having a prayer meeting. Now, that is not a prayer meeting before the church. That's church because the Bible says when you come together, once again, come together, first of all, Pray for those who are in authority, for kings and all who are in authority, that ye may have a peaceful life. And so we are, um, we are commanded to pray uh, for our, those who are leading us and those who are in authority. And so we need to do that together. There's so much more power in prayer uh, together. We have a weekly prayer meeting. And uh, at the moment, we have it in different places, usually our place, but over the winter, we've been having it at Serene's home. And we have lots of young people come to this prayer meeting, and it's so wonderful. Colin usually says, okay, young people, I want you all to pray first, because if we, maybe us adults, sometimes we will get praying and we don't give time for all these amazing young people. And so he will say, Young people, you get praying first, and they get praying. Oh, my, it's so wonderful to hear them praying and praying for our nation and praying for the current needs of our nation and praying for the incredible uh, things that are happening, especially as I talk now, we are watching anarchy in our nation is many many young people who are stirred up by those behind the scenes we know that there are people who are orchestrating this and planning these riots and uh, and uh, young people are being given money to do this and so they're storming cities and uh, and burning cars with fire and they are they are destroying buildings and churches and they are looting and stealing you see pictures of shops there's nothing left in them people 
who have established businesses over the years are just left with nothing and and we see all this happening and, and we can't just sit idly by. We have to pray. Prayer is our only answer to stop what is happening in our nation and we can't do it alone. We have to pray together. That's why the Bible says we are helpers together in prayer. Help us together. We have to help one another. I think I mentioned last um, couple of podcasts ago how that even the um, the angels, Michael and Gabriel, they had to help one another in fighting those spirit forces over cities. And they couldn't do it alone. They had to help one another. And, and we are not fighting flesh and blood not at all. We're fighting these demonic spirits of destruction and rebellion. And it, it's demonic spirits that we are fighting. And we, we can't do this alone. We have to fight together in prayer. And so we have to come together to pray. And this, I believe, is one of the most important things in a church is that they pray together. Maybe when, as we come back to our churches, uh, we will see more of... It's not just coming to a program, but we are coming together to build one another up and to encourage one another. And we're coming together to pray and pray for the nation. These are very much part of what church life is all about. Because we are in a war. A war, ladies. A war that can only be won by prayer. The greatest way we win the war against evil and against demonic spirits is in prayer. I love this chapter in First Chronicles chapter 12. That's another chapter that you need to read on your own later when you get some time. But it talks about David. Now, when David was escaping from Saul, first of all, he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And uh, while he was there, men came to him. It's very interesting. It says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented and disgruntled, gathered themselves unto him. He had a real lot of misfits come to him. My, they weren't, you know, people who were successful and great and amazing. No, they were in debt and they were disgruntled and they were in distress and they came to David. But David became captain over them and uh, there were about 400 of them that came and David made them into a mighty army. It's amazing what God uh, well, God did it, I'm sure, through David, uh, through those disgruntled men. But then we read of another passage. This is later now. And uh, it's more and more have been added to David and uh, his company is growing and growing by the day. And now in First Chronicles 12, in verse 1, it says, Now these are they that came to David in Ziklag. He's now established in the city of Ziklag. And all the mighty men came, helpers of the war. David was in a war. He was still fighting, well, hiding from Saul. And uh, he was still fighting battles on the side. And uh, these men, they came. 
they came to make David king. Um, let's see, First Chronicles 12, where does it say that scripture? Verse, yes, verse 38. All these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel. These were men of war who came. They came to be helpers of the war. Now, what are we doing as the church? We are preparing to make Jesus king over all the earth. And uh, at the moment, we're fighting many battles because Satan is out to bring down the people of God, to bring down the kingdom of God. And we're fighting a spiritual battle, not against flesh and blood, but against these demonic spirits. And we will fight it in prayer. And we, lovely ladies, have got to be helpers of the war. We're in the war. So what are we? Are we helpers of the war or we are, are just in the road? If we're helpers of the war, will be praying. I love these other descriptions about these men who came to David. Men of war, fit for the battle, that could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and were as swift as the roes upon the mountains. Mighty men of valour, ready armed for the war. Men of valour, for the war. Men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. That's one of my favorite scriptures. I believe we're living in an hour when we need to know, oh God, what do you want us to do in this hour? Well, I know he wants us to pray. That's our biggest weapon. Men who were expert in war, they were not of a double heart. Men of war, that could keep rank. And so they were helpers of the war. That's what we're to do. Help one another in prayer. Pray as a family. Gather others with you to pray. Encourage uh, your church members to pray together. Amen. Yes. All right. Just, oh, I wonder if we can finish off our points today, ladies. Number 18. Now, this is not a very nice one, but it's in the Word, and therefore we have to read the whole counsel of God, don't we? We bring judgment of sin when we come together. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 4 and 5. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said, When ye are gathered together to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. We don't ever see this happen in church life today, but back in the early church life, when there was sin, and this was a very grievous sin that had happened, and uh, Paul said they were to gather together, it was to be done, uh, in the gathering of God's people, not silently, not uh, not kind of hiding away, but they were to do it uh, in the gathering of God's people and they were to deliver that man uh, unto Satan um, for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved. It, it was for his salvation. Sadly today, there is sin in the church. Nobody does a thing about it. 
and people are allowed to just keep on sinning. And so more sin comes because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. But back then, when there was sin, um, this was a very grievous, adulterous sin. It was dealt with. I remember when back in our church in New Zealand, uh, we had we faced a very horrific thing when one of our elders uh, was caught with playing around with boys. That was horrendous. That was unbelievable. And uh, the other elders, pastors, including my husband, together brought the whole church together. They first of all spoke to this man and uh, dealt with him and dealt with him in love because they wanted to see his deliverance and his salvation. And he was willing for discipline. He wanted to be free. And uh, so he was brought before the church and his sin was exposed. The elders said to the people, we don't want any of you to be uh, visiting him. This is a time for God to deal with him. We will meet with him. We will pray with him. And uh, so they did. For a few months, the elders uh, continually met with him, prayed with him. God began to work in his life and deal with him. And he came through to a great place of repentance. So much so that there came the time when they felt that God had done his beautiful work. God had brought repentance to him and brought deliverance to him. And it was time to bring him back into the church. Now, in the first meeting, it was the most solemn meeting I have ever been in in my whole life. It was, I, to this day, I can still feel the pins and needles. The fear of God came into that meeting. It was packed out. The church was full. And that night, at the end of that night, the altar was packed with people coming down to the altar, crying out to God, confessing their sin. That exposing of sin caused the fear of God to come into the midst and people got right with God. It was most healthy, most powerful. And then came the time when this man was received back into the church. He wasn't received back as an elder, but he was received back in love as a member. And uh, the people embraced him and received him back. And that man went on to uh, be able, he was a great teacher of the word. He went on to minister the word around the world because discipline had been dealt with and he uh, was delivered. There are too many people who are shipwrecks because they have not been dealt with as God wants them to in the church fellowship. 19, we're to show politeness and courtesy when we come together. They were having problems at love feasts because some were getting in before others and eating it up and not leaving stuff for others. Even all that's dealt with in the Word of God in 1 Corinthians 11 and how... Um, it said you're to show love to one another, reverence to one another, and wait for one another when you have times of love feasts and eating together. And now number 20, 
I hope I've got time for it because this is the most important one. This is so powerful. And the amazing thing is, ladies, I had never noticed this scripture before. How can I read the word over and over and over? Well, here it is. Romans 1 verse 12. Oh, goodness me. They're showing me the card. It's time up. I better do it next week. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, we'll do our most important point. Well, it's really very much part of all the others, but it's it's amazing, and I'd never noticed it before. Oh, so I'm going to share it with you next time. Okay, don't forget to listen in. So, Father, we come to you again at the end of the session. Thank you again for all these scriptures that talk about us being together. Everything you do, Lord God, for us is you do it together because you see us as one body. We are one body. Yes, we are individual. And Lord, you you understand the uniqueness of each one of us. And you have given specific and special gifts to each one of us. But You see us as one body, one bride, one church, one building, one house. Lord God, help us to see ourselves as you see us and to truly be the church coming together to build one another up, coming together to be helpers in praying for one another and this nation Lord, help us to truly be what you want us to be. Not, Lord, according to custom. Oh, God, we've gotten to so many customs of just going to church. We worship, we hear the word, and we go home. And, Lord, we're not really even fellowshipping with one another. Help us to, to be what you want us to be as the people of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.